Welcome to The Connection, a podcast to connect you to the parish of Yate. My name's Howell. And I'm Justin. We are your hosts sharing with you a series of spiritual tools to enable everyday Christian living in the parish of Yate. So on this week's episode, we talk about the other books that are not in the Bible. And we ask why they're not there. Uh, We also look at how this was decided. And finally, we look at how we use a similar process when we think about Star Trek and Donald Trump. So like I said, on this week's episode of The Connection, we're going to talk about how the Bible was put together. Yeah, because the Bible isn't uh, like the Quran, as we've said before. It's written by multiple people across uh, lots and lots of different uh, geographical areas right around the Middle East. And it was put together over a period of decades, really, uh, the New Testament, starting around in the 50s, so just about 20-odd years after Jesus died and was raised from the dead, and then goes on for another 40-odd years. So those... Lots of different writings mm. written by lots and lots of different people, mostly St. Paul, but lots of other people, yes. uh, is brought together in what they call a canon. In other words, a list of books or list of writings which we see as being part of the Bible. That's the idea. So we've got 66 books. That's the whole concept of the Bible. There's a lot of it content in there. Um, how do you go about creating what is a library to really emphasise the teachings uh, of God and of Jesus and the Holy Spirit into one one book? Well, in the, it, this is the first thing to think about, really, is our concept of the Bible being a book mm. is one which comes after the invention of the printing press. Okay. So before the printing press, a local parish church would probably have the four Gospels, yeah. maybe the Book of Acts, yeah. maybe a couple of books from... Exodus from the Old Testament, and possibly uh, a collection of the writings of Saint Paul. So they only cathedrals yeah. or massive churches would have the whole set, the box okay. set. Okay, the box were. set. Okay, yeah. okay. So before it was just kind of cherry picked manuscripts that were the most poignant, the most poignant sections of the Bible that we know it now would be available within some of the churches. But like I said. If they were rich, they would have the box set. Okay, so when putting the box set together, how do you pick which is the the right one? Because let's let's be absolutely honest. I mean, we've got a great picture of of key components and key elements within the Bible, but there were clearly there were more than more than what we know in the Bible was written. You know, there are other scholars, there are other academics, there are people who, who would have received the teachings of Jesus that would continue to pass on those messages. But how do you go about picking the ones that are appropriate to go into what we know today as the Bible? Yeah, and, and the answer to that is it's a kind of gradual evolution over about 60 or 70 years, Okay. really. So it's not a kind of definitive thing where, you know, one person says this is what's in and this is what's out. Mm. So it's actually very different to how the uh, Quran came about. So the Quran, that was uh, copied and copied and copied, but the final version, the one that is used by Muslims today, was uh, authorised by the Sultan at the time. Okay. So the Quran comes about in an empire with a central authority, and that central authority of the Sultan 
is in charge of the Quran, in a sense. Yeah, okay. Now, when uh, the Bible is put together and the canon is created, it's done before around 300, 200 to 300 AD, right? Okay. So, really, Christianity only actually becomes legal, in a sense, in the Council of Nicaea in 326 AD. Okay. So, 100 years before that, the Bible was actually finally put together in a sense. Yeah. So they're doing it in a time where there's no central boss, there's uh, patches of quite extreme persecution, yeah. the church is hidden. Yeah. So it's not really a place where you could actually say, you know, through power, mm. this is in and this is out. Yeah. So it was done sort of by uh, almost kind of evolving through popular demand in some ways. You know. And I guess that answers some of the questions that sometimes some of our listeners have about how can there be so many different versions of Christianity within society? There isn't just one, is there? There is... There's several different denominations within the United Kingdom alone that, that branches from the concept of the different versions, but we all clearly understand and appreciate is one God. Now, I mean, what's important to probably bring into the context of this podcast now is that we are very aware that there are there are many conspiracy theories about the Bible. I mean, we only have to watch the Da Vinci Code yeah. to start scratching the surface. I mean, how, how does that work? I mean, what, what truth is in that film to the Bible that we all appreciate today? Well, if you watch The Da Vinci Code, you have to remember the truth is actually the opposite of what's presented. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's quite... I, I went to see it when I was a, when I was a curate, and yeah. uh, I thought, oh, I'd better go and see it, because people are asking me about it. So yeah, of course. I, I took the afternoon off work and, and went down to Bolton uh, with my wife to watch it, and I was told, you're not allowed to complain mm-hmm. while I was there. So I sat on my hands, and every time there was a historical error in it, which was nearly every five minutes, oh, I was no. kind of going, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's it it basically the Da Vinci Code. The history they present is the opposite of what actually happened. Okay. So in the Da Vinci Code, the idea is that uh, there's other gospels, right? Like okay. the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Peter, and so on. Uh, and the idea is in the Da Vinci Code is this nasty sort of church sort of suppresses those gospels and kicks them out. But okay. actually, the, so the the rich people kicked out those gospels, right? Right. So to, in order to control people and all of that stuff. But the opposite is true because basically there wasn't the infrastructure in the church to do that in the first place. You know, okay. there is no secret bunker underneath the Vatican. Is there not? Is not, oh. no, that's in oh. uh, Angels and Demons. I did yeah. go to the Vatican once and asked to see the bunker and then they, they said it wasn't there. So <laughs> that's proof that it was, you know, because they wouldn't tell me. Yeah. Uh, but basically what what's actually happened is these writings, say yeah. the Gospel of Thomas and so on, have been around in Christian history all the way through since okay. they've been written. They're in the writings of ancient bishops like Irenaeus of Lyon and uh, all the other what they call church fathers who were the first big bishops. So we've we've got a rough idea of, of what they said yeah. right the way from the beginning. But in 1945, in a place called Nag Hammadi, which is in uh, Egypt, they found a cave which actually had a library of these texts, right? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So I've got them on my shelf, basically, in the house. And not the originals. Not the originals. No, okay. no not the originals. <laughs> no, uh, somewhere else. Like, yeah. Uh, no, I've got, I've got copies of them, and okay. um, they are fascinating in some ways. Yeah. 
But what's been done since 1945, there's been a huge amount of scholarship that's gone on to try and find out uh, when they were written, who wrote them, where they were written, okay. that sort of thing. Yeah. So the guts of it is that uh, the Nag Hammadi libraries were written by a group called the Gnostics. And who these guys were, were basically the rich guys who lived in Persia and uh, Samaria, uh, Syria, around that way and down into Egypt. And their idea of Jesus was he was a kind of Greek philosopher who had secret knowledge that he wanted to pass on to his closest followers. So there was a kind of hierarchy in the church that the closer you got to the top, the more secrets that would be told to you. Right, and to a degree that's, none of that was ever mentioned in any other components within the Bible, is it, this kind of hierarchical system. But here we are now with with this new library that throws open the door that that maybe it did exist. Yeah, and I think the thing is with it is in the Da Vinci Code, they they have this idea that, you know, it's the the rich that put down Mm. these things. But actually, they were really popular, Mm. the Gnostics, with uh, the rich and powerful because it tells them what what they want to hear. You know, it tells them... You know, you're the rich guys. You are the special people because we've told you the special secrets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not like the plebs. Yeah. You okay. know, and really, that's the kind of opposite. Yeah. Of what the gospel's about. So, how do we know what goes in and what goes out? Well, the church way back in the first couple of centuries had four criteria of what was canon and what was not. Okay. All right? So the first criteria is whether it was written by an apostle. So what what does it mean to be written by an apostle? Yeah. That doesn't mean that it has the name of an apostle, like the Gospel of Thomas, because Thomas was an apostle. What it actually means is how close is that gospel writing to the life of Jesus in time, basically. Okay. All right? So if you're doing a do history, you want the historical source to be as near to the events as possible. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So Gospel of Mark is written in 65 AD, so it's not very long after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, Luke and Matthew are 75 AD, around then. So again, that's not that far away. It's within living memory. Yeah. So to put things into context for that... That would be about the same time as the early 80s are for now. Yeah, okay. Yep. So it'd be a bit like uh, if somebody wrote today about, say, the Iranian embassy siege. Yeah. If you wrote something which was completely ridiculous, somebody would be able to come along and say, well, no, that's not what happened. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yep. Because I remember yep. this, this happened. So, in a sense, it's a bit like the Hillsborough witnesses. In a sense, we've recently had the inquiry into Hillsborough where they've taken witness statements from 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that as valid. Okay. And the Gospels of Mark and Matthew and Luke are around that same sort of time frame, as it were. John, and, and, and of course we put it to context that Mark, Matthew and Luke were, were attempting to ensure that their teachings continued because right up to this point they would have been continuing their teaching and, and they would have had, like you said, um, eyewitnesses to Jesus and, and furthermore the stories would have continued to grow traction by the very nature that Mark and Matthew and Luke, uh, including John, were 
in constant audience with people because that's what they were told to do and that was kind of Jesus' final words to go out there and spread the word. Exactly. So, so the reason that they were written was because you know these guys were getting old, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. apostles, so they thought, well, we better write this down yeah, yeah. Uh, before these guys die. So, But the, in contrast then, you have things like the Gospel of Thomas, which is written 175 AD. Okay. So it's a hundred years afterwards. Okay. And um, wasn't written by Thomas? No, it, it, that's right. It wasn't written by him and it wasn't written by, uh, it was written not in um, Israel or people who, who come from Israel. It wasn't mm. written by Jewish people. We can tell that by the style in a sense. It's written by people who were um, from Syria, basically. So is this is this evidence of 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 Bible fake news really early on? Sort yeah. of, yeah, yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Where the, there was some some truths in it because we could contextualize some of the components within Thomas and with Peter, but actually there was lots of stuff that was hearsay and made up to pad up. And and of course we all already know one that Jesus had a, a secret circle that he only told specific secrets to the circle around him. But exactly, um, yeah. that's it. Okay. And and you can be part of that circle by knowing the secret knowledge. Mm. So that takes us nicely onto the second criteria mm. which is basically does the jesus being portrayed in that gospel square with the jesus that that we know and also as well with the rest of the bible okay okay so if we think about star trek yeah both like star trek yeah, yeah right yeah. it is star trek discovery canonical with the rest of star trek wow look at that that's a great debate isn't it <laughs> Rewriting history. I mean, I guess there's there's strong similarities, but there's also there's also bits in it that are rewritten um, and are different. That that if you were a, a William Shratner fan of the original uh, series, it, it looks completely different. So you could argue that it has no similarity. As 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 I guess uh, is the new uh, films for Star Trek. They've started yeah. to rewrite components to that. So. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, and then, but actually, what what the church fathers did, mm. right, is use exactly the same process as you've described to discern whether something should be in the Bible or not. Yeah, okay. It's, does it tell the same story? Yeah, and it's just that you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they didn't write separate stories on their own. They actually crossed over quite a lot of the time with their interpretation uh, 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 how they understood what had happened from the teachings through to events that we know, and so thankfully. Uh, within those gospels, they they have got strong similarities, and so if you're going to look at that, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah because it's, it's basically like, for example, the entry to Jerusalem yep. is in all four gospels, yep. or the feeding of the five thousand, all four gospels. Yeah, they're slightly different because yep. they're witnesses. Yeah, witnesses see things from different points of view. Yeah, but the core of the story is always the same. Mm. While these other gospels, written far far later the character of them is very different, which yeah. is what the church fathers pointed out. And also as well, if something's written in uh, France, for mm. example, right, and translated into English, a French film or something, even a culture which is fairly similar to ours, you kind of know that it's different. Yeah. Because okay. it comes from a different place. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we know they were written uh, in Syria, because you can kind of compare these other Gospels, like Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Thomas, and so on, to other Syrian writings and think, hang on a minute, these sound far more Syrian than they do Jewish. Basically, what the Church Fathers did, like Irenaeus of Lyon, who was around in 130 to 220 AD, 
to very, very early on, and a pile of other ones as well, they developed these lists, which is lists of books which were to be read in church. So they okay. were canon. A bit like nerds do now with Star Trek. You know, yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah. Put, they'll put lists down of things which are yeah. canonical Star Trek yeah. and stuff that isn't. Yeah. Right? And Star Trek fans will decide through a process of evolution yeah. which ones eventually will be seen as canonical. Lovely. So that makes sense. And of course, that, like I mentioned before, the new Star Trek films, which is a kind of a remake of, to a degree, of the original films that were put together and the original uh, episodes, they, they have rewritten history. You know, mm. There is now a new timeline to Star Trek that has incredibly strong similarities, but actually um, it, it's gone off in a completely different world. I mean, the... the for Star Trek fans, you know, the destruction of Vulcan really early on in, in a Star Trek history is going to completely rewrite stuff that, that Captain Picard would have dealt with in his lifetime. So, yeah, so that that's important to establish that the new Gospels that we discovered back in 1945 maybe wouldn't have linked into the canon that's of it. the Bible. And they, you use exactly the same process as we do with Star Trek. And it's the same process in the sense that because there is no central authority yeah. like Star Trek fans, yeah. right? There's no king of the Star Trek fans, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Is as things go on and things evolve, certain things will be in and other things will be out. Yeah. So, for example, uh, the oldest Bible that we have, which is uh, Codex Sinaiticus, which is uh, they found in a monastery in um, Syria, in Sinai, sorry. Uh, so, if you go to Sharm el Sheikh yeah. on holidays, uh, you can pop into this monastery and you can see the oldest Bible in the world. Wow. We didn't go because I said it was too much like work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But but in that Bible, there's yeah. a, a letter called the Shepherd of Hermas. Okay. Because at that time, and one and two Clement, and at that time, that was part of it. You can still read them and they do square with the rest of it. But yeah. over time, they were evolved out as it were. Okay. Finally, the last criteria is basically these books were really expensive. They would have cost the equivalent of, say, a couple of hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. And if you were a church, somebody would come to you and say, would you like to buy the Gospel of uh, the Apocrypha of John or whatever, mm. right? And you'd say, okay, fair enough. Does it square with what the rest of Christianity says? A bit, but not really. Do the fathers of the church, is it on their lists? No. And then you'd have a read of it. Yeah. And if it was really boring, yeah. you wouldn't buy yeah, it. Of course you wouldn't buy it. And of course, it, yeah. it, if it doesn't add anything, why would you purchase something that it, it was, was, was fruitless? Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I can see, and again, out of all the criteria, that to a degree makes sense. Why would you use church funds for something that really doesn't add to the teachings that we are so reliant on in modern-day context. So I think well, what actually happened when you look at it, it's a kind of gradual process of mm. kind of evolution where uh, these sorts of books and what have you were very popular yeah. with the elite in these different places and they were very popular within certain sections of society. But over time, basically, because the Jesus they were presenting was an elitist... Yeah, you know, ordinary people weren't interested in it, so they kind of just pitted out. So I think there's a lot talked about it really in popular culture, and there's a lot of uninformed uh, debate about it. 
And I think when you think about it logically and think, well, you know, these things were written a long time after Jesus. Mm. And when you actually sit down and read them, they're a bit disappointing, really, because I thought I'd be reading something really gutsy and sort of radical, but they're really boring or yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody ever wanted to read them, I'd be more than happy to lend them my Nagamadi text. And I think what we have to do is when we hear these uh, conspiracy theories and what have you, is to, to learn the actual facts about it, yeah. to fact check it, rather than take it as read. So maybe we should treat it a bit like we treat Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. When you, when, you, when you see a tweet off him, the best thing to do is fact check it. But sometimes it's true. Yes. But uh, <laughs> other times it's not. <laughs> there we are. That is how the Bible was put together. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And don't forget, you can get in contact with us on Facebook and on Twitter. And we'll also find us on Instagram. Oh, yes, Instagram, yes. And on our website, which is yateparish.org. Don't forget, this is an interactive show, so we really value your comments. So put your comments on SoundCloud or any other platform that you're listening to, and we'll get back to you. And we look forward to joining you next time. Thank you.